Avengers, assemble. In the wake of Endgame, some were lost, others regained. They're good. What happens next? Stay tuned, true believers, as we try to find out. Peter Melnick. Graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. Ready? It's time for a new episode of The Marvelists. to the Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we do all of our usual stuff, we can tell you at home how you can get a hold of us on social media. You can, you will, right now. On Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, it is at... The Marvelists. You can also follow myself on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcaster. You can also follow me on Twitter at Peter Melnick and on Instagram at Peter Melnick. And Eddie, you're on Instagram. I am at Eddie9193. You can listen to us on a wide variety of listening platforms, including TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Podbean, among many others. But of course, go on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, and share. Not Sonny. <laughs> oh. Uh, it was like really bad, wasn't it? Yeah, because he's no longer on this earth. I didn't even know he was sick. You did too. Well, the, the tree did. <laughs> the tree. Tree! <laughs> wow. This episode only goes down from here. At least it's not a far fall. I'm a terrible person. (laughs) But anyway, go on wolverinepodcast.com and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. And when you do, you get one free month of Stitcher Premium, and you're able to listen to a ton of audio content, people. Ba ba ba. You know, ba. (sighs) You can listen to me go ba 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 on there. Yeah, you can't beat the ba. There are episodes. And I say ba. Anyway, and when you do sign up for that one month, you get access to Wolverine. The Long Night. And Wolverine. The Lost Trail. And when you do, you get to listen to Wolverine. <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to keep doing that for <laughs> Eddie. What he's a loop. What, Eddie, what other, what other uh, lost, what other TL somethings could they have? Uh... T.L. Hopper, the legendary wrestler who's a plumber as well. No way. He was awful. He sucked. But how was his how was his handiwork? A crack above. Oh no. Get it because his ass crack. I know exactly uh, what your plumber's crack. Yeah. Uh, just... Ricky. Yes. Can't anyway. unsee that. <laughs> but Eddie, when you do sign up for that, you get one free month of Stitcher Premium. And it's only $4.99 or a month. 
Yeah, it's a month, and also what yeah. is it? Four hundred ninety-nine pennies. That's a lot of pennies. If, if, if you had, a, imagine dropping them off of a skyscraper. Why? Well, that that'd be a terrible idea. Calculate the gravitational pull and how much it would, how much force of weight it would upon impact. Man, you sound like more of a scientist than uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> but anyway, people. Mm. Before we get into our walloping web snapper of an episode, like I said, wolverinepodcast.com and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelous. And you can cancel at any time or at any time. <laughs> Eddie was about well, to Well, now th- that would be interesting. What is Eddie time? Let's find out. Well, or, it's always prompt and on time. It's not and say we did. Now, Peter time, on the other hand. Can't stop that one. Nope. We can't, can't shut that up. You stop that. It's true. <laughs> Eddie will drink his water one day. <laughs> It was, As I tried to at the beginning of the interchange. It was fun to watch that just now. It was like every five seconds of, no, 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 no. But, people, people. this episode is going to be... Spectacular. Amazing. Web of even. It's going to be our Spider-Man Far From Home review. And before you even listen to this episode, you should realize there's going to be spoilers up the wazoo. So if you haven't seen the movie, go see this movie. And then listen to this episode because, like I said, there are going to be spoilers up the wazoo. I know. It's the grand wazoo, even. Frank Zappa. Oh, got me there. Sorry. That's okay. But for the record, how many times did you see this movie? I, I actually saw it twice. All right. So you're one up on me. Ooh. But yeah. But I it sp- happens. I actually almost saw it uh, two times this past weekend. Which so. makes it a grand, would have made a grand total of three. Yes. But in regards to seeing this movie, there's a lot that some of us don't even notice during the initial viewings. It's kind of like a Spider-Verse kind of movie where you keep like finding new little details that weren't there That's before. That's exactly what you'll do. And there will be a point where I saw a posted uh, notation about what to look for and yeah. some subtle things. And I said, wait a minute, really? I had no idea whatsoever. Did, did you do it in a Don Knotts kind of voice? Uh, no, thank you. But like I said- I try my best to keep my own, but, but sometimes I stray. Before we get into the actual, you know, review that we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about some news tidbits that are going around. Mm. But also, we want to tell you at home that at the end of this episode, we have an interview with Preeti Chibber. She is the author of Spider-Man Far From Home, Peter and Ned's Ultimate Travel Journal. And I got a copy of the book, Eddie got a copy of the book, and we loved the heck out of this. This interview was recorded, I want to say, a few weeks before the movie came out. But Sounds about right, yeah. We're releasing it now into the internet ethosphere, if that's even a word. But Not so, the way you said it, anyway. Well, no, I mean, it's I like, was going to say ethersphere. It's very Sylvester-esque, anyway. Oh. Not, not, good, not good for a microphone. It really is not. But the idea of the travel journal and just the illustrations. I, I was thumbing through it and just like looking through it and then it got me into reading it. And I'm like, this is this is fun. I like this. So big, big, big thank you to Preeti Preeti Cheeber. But Eddie, since the last time we talked, some big news has been happening and we're getting ready. We're on the road to nowhere, much like my usual conversations. No, we are on the road to San Diego Comic-Con 2019. Not literally. Yeah, we're not going to be there, although we wish we were. Believe me, we both wish we were. That would be, yeah. This year, they're going to be having a 90-minute panel at Hall H in regards to Marvel Studios. 
So you can only imagine what that's going to be. I was originally thinking that they were going to save their big announcements and everything for D23, which is next month. Uh, well, But evidently they're not. They're actually going to go back to doing stuff at San Diego and revealing to the world what's going on. And we're not talking about the, uh, the legendary R&B song. Marvin Gaye? Yes. <laughs> okay. What's going on, Eddie? Several, several remakes of that, by the way. But in regards to San Diego, there's also going to be a panel, I believe, with the Russo brothers. And it's in regards to, I think, uh, their new film production company or something to that effect. I was listening to the uh, MCU Cosmic Cast by uh, Jeremy Conrad, who is an acquaintance of the show, I would imagine. Follow him on Twitter at Manabite. He's pretty chill. Um, We might be having him on the show in the very near future, question mark. Who knows? But with, you know, in regards to what he's talking about, there's going to be that panel going on. And yeah, so we will definitely be finding out at least within the next month or so what quote unquote phase four is going to be. Although they're saying it's not going to be phase four. We don't know. Like it's going to be now it's its own thing. So... It'll be phaseless. Yes, that's what they're saying. It's just going to be continuing on. Films without a phase, Eddie. Oh, it's like Billy Idol. Thank you. Eyes without a face. 1984. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why I do this podcast with this man. No, it's not. It partially is. (laughs) Let's give it like 12%. Yes, partial. At least 13. Or 14, because, you know, superstition. But the idea that we will find out what is going to be happening in regards to Marvel Studios... I'm excited because we know right now Black Widow is being filmed. There's, and supposedly Taskmaster is going to be the villain in that movie, which, man, I did not expect that to happen. Yeah, Taskmaster. Okay, well, you know what? Taskmaster has traditionally, I think, been an Avengers yeah. foe. And who is Black Widow? And uh, she and she's an Avenger. Mm-hmm. She Avengers. Uh, that's exactly right. Hers. Hers. Yeah, his run of time, I think... I don't recall off the top of my head his first appearance, origin, uh, but I thought it was in, in the 80s, somewhere in the mid-80s. Yeah, with that uh, greenish cover, I want to say. I'm trying to remember the coloring of his, maybe dark blue and black. It was white. Of his, he has like a white oh, outfit. totally off. Oh, yeah. okay. Face uh, face, pretty much hidden. Yeah, he has like the skull. Okay. Yes, okay, okay. It's been, yes, it's been quite, quite some time since I heard the Taskmaster. Yeah, that's right. And some archery skills, perhaps, also? Or no, just in general, the weapons, uh, mas- somewhat masterful? He's, yeah, he sees somebody and he mimics their style. That's why, okay. like, Deadpool is one of his, you know, most famous foes, because Deadpool can kind of mix up his arsenal. Another character! Where are you going you there? stop that, sir. It's well, true! Well, we can go with the football Isn't team, too. Isn't this the month of crossing over? It is, and unfortunately, this episode is not going to be one of our crossover episodes, well, but... You are well advised to know that July is Marvel versus DC month on The Marvelous. And I Holy got, Toledo! I'm excited about this because we do have some really cool ideas in mind that are going to be happening. We got some guests that I'm stoked for. Who I meant to say holy moly, but you know what I'm saying. No, we're not going to have Billy Batson on, Eddie. No? Although, we are a Marvel podcast, yes, but we do like talking sometimes about the Distinguished Competition. Coming in the next few weeks, I believe, Shazam is currently available on digital streaming. And you can, you know, watch it on, I think, iTunes, Amazon Prime, etc. You know, if you pay for the, you know, movie. But it is one of those movies I highly, highly, highly recommend checking out if you have not. So. 
So then pretty soon on the normal Blu-ray DVD stuff. Yeah, I think it's coming out next week, I want to say. Next week or the week after. Okay. Yeah, because it's usually uh, two weeks removed from the digital yes. release. Mm-hmm. Which kind of drives me nuts, but at the same time, like, eh, whatever. But in regards to uh, the upcoming month of movies and stuff, movies, topics, we got some cool stuff up our sleeves. So looking forward for all of you to check that out. Even if we're wearing short sleeves, yes. Who wears short shorts, Eddie? Oh, stop. That's that's a 60s reference. So now also in regards to some of the stuff that Kevin Feige has been talking about in interviews and whatnot, he actually just recently talked about how the Defenders, what's going to happen to the characters? Will we ever see them make their appearances on the big screen? And right now, he said the comment was, if I tell you anything in regards to who I want to see or what's going to happen, it's a spoiler. And it might be a spoiler in regards to a certain movie that just hit the big screen, Spider-Man Far From Home. And we'll touch on it just a little bit early just because, but basically the ending of Spider-Man Far From Home, the mid credit scene, we end up seeing the return of a character and Spider-Man's name gets revealed, his real identity. Yeah, that's a kind of a what thing. And a lot of people are talking about what could this mean? What will this mean for the next movie? Because... Some people, including guests of the show, Charles Perallo, was talking about the fact that it kind of was just a lost thread. They really didn't do much of it when, at the end of Homecoming, when Aunt May finds out his name, like, or finds out that Peter is Spider-Man. Nothing really came about in the next movie. Just like, oh, cool, you're Spider-Man. Hey, everyone survived the blip, blah, blah, blah. They, yeah, they didn't continue along that exactly. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed in that element of Spider-Man Far From Home, but otherwise still a you know, fantastic movie, which... Yeah, spoilers for my review. I really like this movie. Uh-huh. But in regards to the whole Aunt May thing and, you know, the whole that ending in this, some people have speculated what this could mean for the future. Jeremy Conrad of MCU Cosmicast speculated as well. Well, if the whole issue of Netflix with the cancellation, Feige announced that essentially these characters can't be used for two years after the cancellation. So once the two-year moratorium is over, yeah. That's going to end up, uh, you know, fixing things, and these characters can show up in their own little blip. <sighs> Meaning, 2020 is when Marvel can use stuff on the big screen with Daredevil, or as I lovingly call him, Durder. But, Durder, yeah. And also, I believe, Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Now, on top of that, this also means if Marvel is going to be doing this and Sony is going to be doing this with their films, like I want to say 2021, because, you know, you got to, take about two years to make a sequel, you know? Uh, yeah, so, that would be a standard amount of time. By the way, Luke Cage and Iron Fist, we got, right away I went to Power Man and Iron Fist, the yeah. comic book title, but they never uh, really referred to him as Power Man. Have they not did. yet? Yeah, they have. They have in the uh, comic, the uh, not the comic, I mean in the uh, Netflix. Netflix series. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's called Power Man, I believe, by Pops in uh, one of the first episodes of Luke Cage. And then, you know, we have the thundering dumbass uh, Iron Fist <sighs> called You Are the Iron Fist. I mean... Eddie, he really is. Let's be honest, he really You is. are the pan, Peter Pan. Thank you. The peanut butter? Yes. Yeah. But in regards to the whole thing with Daredevil, Spider-Man's identity got put out in the public, and Peter Parker is not going to be safe now, so he might need a lawyer. Some legal help. Mm-hmm. Although it leads to me thinking about this. Wait a minute. 
Peter Parker is heavily involved with Stark Industries. So wouldn't Stark Industries just provide him with their own lawyer instead of a pro bono, bono kind of lawyer? No, they really wouldn't. Because then you have the whole, we want to disassociate with this guy. But wait a minute. They used to have this guy at Stark Industries named Tony Stark, who was Iron Man, and he went off and did his own thing. So, And that would make sense that if they don't, if there's no longer a Tony Stark person who would champion Harold and be on Peter's cause well, side, still. change of thinking, a, a, a different direction. Still, again, they could still defend him and do this. But mm, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. Wait a whole two minutes. Didn't Spider-Man kill a guy? Yeah, if I'm a major company, I don't want to be associated with the guy who might have murdered a guy. So yeah, we could possibly very well see a certain man without fear show up hmm. and help defend little old Peter Parker. Yeah, I could almost I could see his face through his mask when it was revealed. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was. Yeah. I thought it was hilarious, just that whole ending. But we'll, we'll touch on that later. But in regards to just all the news going on and the general excitement of this, man, we are in a really cool time now because we are speculating. We don't know what's going to happen in the next few months in regards to the overall MCU because I I don't even know when Black Widow's coming out. No, we don't have like a timeline that we used to have. Isn't it weird? It is strange. No, well, Doctor Strange 2 is happening, Eddie. Yeah, Mr. Doctor. Right? The, do- yeah. the Doctor Man. Yes. My, that's my favorite Marvel character, Doctor Man. Doctor Man. I, I'm just excited that overall with these movies, we are going to get characters that we may not have expected. Like right now they're doing casting, I believe, for The Eternals. We're getting casting announcements for what else? Um, Shang-Chi. Did you ever think Shang-Chi would get a movie? No, never never even thought of that. And so far removed from what might be considered the norm in terms of... McDonald. McDonald, exactly. There's a character. He's a good actor. By himself or... You guessed as, it, as Frank a Stallone. Character? Frank Stallone. <laughs> I was trying to remember the animated character that he played. I don't even know that. But uh, no, it's, it's got to be at least one. From one of those movies. Let us know. Drop us an email. Right? Marvelous at gmail.com. Right there in the bag. Haven't done that in a while, huh, Eddie? Oof. Very long time. But actually, when as soon as I said what would be considered the norm, with what we've seen, and the first thing that jumps out of my brain is Guardians of the Galaxy, anything, any character is possible. That is, yeah, that is honestly absolutely true. I, I do think so, yeah. So why not do a take on... The martial, the martial arts take on the AHA 1985. Thank you. boy, Eddie. Keep it up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll go, we'll go in to uh, explore this, this aspect now. Would you say that we're also going to start seeing maybe some... One of the topics was because of the Fox deal going on, that the Fox deal is now complete, everything's, you know, all kosher and all that. In regards to what the future could lay, or what lies ahead for the future, sorry. I was going to say an egg, but okay. That too. Well, I mean, no, we don't We don't want them to lay any eggs. I'll take it sunny side up. Not scrambled either. Fine. But in regards to, you know, characters that are going to be coming in, different storylines, 
a lot of people are speculating secret invasion might finally be happening with the whole use of the scrolls. So you know what? That's what I was missing at the very end when we'll get to that also of Spider-Man Far From Home. Some people are also hinting at the fact that with that ending, they might be hinting at S.W.O.R.D., the offshoot of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes, a gray area in my brain because I don't, I've heard the, the an acronym, but that's that run, the extent of it. That, uh, that group was created through the Astonishing X-Men series by Joss Whedon. Ah, okay. Which, if you have not read Astonishing X-Men by Joss Whedon, you are missing out on some pretty great stuff. Yes, I am. I must be. <laughs> it's uh, one, honestly one of the best X-Men runs. Like, it's up there with the Claremont run. It's up there with uh, Grant Morrison's new X-Men. Have you, did you ever pick up any of the uh, new X-Men by Grant Morrison? Did they reboot that? That was a reboot in 2000. It wasn't really a reboot, but it's, you know. Nothing more recent than 2000? No. I'm pretty sure it's in the... It's it's 2000, 2001, I want to say, they started. Yes, that sounds familiar. Okay. It's in in there. It's in the box. One of my favorite things about the new Mutants, or the new X-Men logo was... You could flip it upside down, and it still read the same every single time. Oh, sure, right. Okay, yeah. Isn't that the title that um, Colossus died? I think so. I haven't. I actually have the whole run on my Comixology account. I just haven't read it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think so. That was uh, in the like. I don't know. A hot take one, on me, one, Eddie. One ten or so. I think the issue number was somewhere around there. It was difficult to acquire for a while. I think that's why I remember the the number. 114, perhaps. I love these little details of... I don't know. I had a pain in the ass time trying to get these issues. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Or it's pricey, you know, so... I mean, they're mostly dollar books, Eddie. Well, sometimes, yes. Sometimes, sometimes when we touch... Wow. The honesty is Get out much. of 1978. And I have to close my eyes. And cry. And yeah, I and cried. Leave, leave Dan Hill alone. I'll see what I can do. I can't make any promises, Eddie. Now, in regards to... More news. What? There's not really much news okay. other than... Huey Lewis. Woof. Got one. In. Can you stop that? And the... <laughs> and the... And the indeed, Eddie. I want a new topic. I want a new duck. One that won't try to quack. Oh, yeah. Weird Al. Way to go. Thank you, Eddie. <laughs> But in regards to Spider-Man, we don't know what's going to be next because some people are speculating that the character might end up leaving the MCU or because of the whole contract. I think one one oh, article no. that I saw recently, and I don't, I didn't click on it because after a while you kind of get desensitized to headlines and you're just like, eh, I think this is bullshit. Yeah, I'm not going to pay attention to this until I see it somewhere else again and then be like, well, wait a minute. This was one of those where it was apparently... If the upcoming Spider-Man movie, or this Spider-Man movie does not get over a billion dollars, or at least a billion dollars, the rights to the character are going to go solely over to Sony. Okay. Well, that's not going to happen because, <laughs> because let's be honest, the movie's doing gangbusters right now. And I'll check as of this recording on July 9th, 2019 at 9.11 p.m. Rotten Tomatoes says that... This movie has made, drumroll please, more because the internet's loading, but. I knew it was about 93.5 million in the first opening weekend. Yeah, 92.7 million this weekend. And you have to also factor in, that doesn't include international. 
No. And they, you know, did they ever, at the beginning, maybe not include international? They just would do domestic? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Now that we've confirmed that we both don't know. I'm actually trying to find right now Far From Home. Yes, you are. Box Office Total Far From Home. We're going to check Box Office Mojo right now. Domestic total as of July 8th, 2019, $195.9 million. Nice. But, and that's a big but. Uh, spider the, butt. The foreign total is three, uh, $392.7 million with a grand total worldwide of fifty or $588 million. So I'm pretty sure this <sighs> this movie is not going to be leaving uh, Sony's no, sites. No, please. No, no, no. Or, I mean, you know, Marvel Studios sites. Mean. Yeah, Disney. So, Yeah. I'm really excited. This is and right now I'm I'm checking this out on Box Office Mojo. It is ranked number 85 in the top 3D movies of all time in terms of uh, money. Uh, okay. Comic book adaptation, it is 45, ranked number 45. IMAX 103, superhero 46. And in regards to the top grossing Spider-Man movies, it's number seven at the moment. Number 19 for the MCU and number 32 overall for Marvel Comics. I'm, I'm actually curious what the highest grossing Spider-Man movie of all time is. <laughs> and on here it says number one is, of course, Spider-Man with uh, good old Tugboat Toby. himself, Spidey. Yeah. Oh, this really is hilarious to see. Mm. If you go on Box Office Mojo and click on the Spider-Man franchise, upcoming releases, there are three movies listed for upcoming Spider-Man movies. Okay. Amazing Spider-Man 3 to be determined. Amazing Spider-Man 4 to be determined and Sinister 6 to be determined. I don't oh. think any of those are going to be coming out. And if oh. you know anybody who works at Box Office Mojo, they might want to fix that glitch because otherwise we're going to have regular Spider-Man 4 sitting in there. Wow. And that breaks my heart. The lowest grossing Spider-Man movie of all time is Into the Spider-Verse. Lowest? Yeah. It only made um, $190 million. <laughs> Yeah. Yeesh. Uh, you know what? For what it's worth, that type of movie, the animation and stuff, it still shines. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's opened the door, I think, for what may come in the future. And what dreams will, may others, come. Yeah, and others that will do, uh, that could have the potential of doing much better. Well, one curious thing about that is the fact that the movie is on Netflix if you want to see it. If, you know, you haven't. I personally, I still go on record saying it is the greatest comic book movie ever made Mm -hmm. with Endgame coming in at a solid number two. So take that for what you will, folks. I absolutely adore the movie. And I know a lot of people out there that have told me they're like, wow, yeah, I watch this movie kind of every day. Just there's always something new. They don't watch every bit of it every day, but at least like clips of it and just the humor to watch again and again. And every day. Yeah, I know people that do that. People really like Spidey. Once a week would be kind of cool. You know, I don't know. Eddie Wilson is silently judging you. To really just, okay, all right. But on the topic of There's so much more out there. Well, for me, there's just, you know, piles and piles. But, yeah. Well, you still haven't seen Toy Story, Eddie. (laughs) Well, you know, when that podcast changes, we'll have to, uh, you know. Eddie Wilson and Peter Malick do a Toy Story podcast. And when we do Spider or Toy Story 2, it's just me crying into a microphone. The ending was so sad. <laughs> I, that's, by the way, 
off topic, but I want to go see Spider or I want to go see Toy Story Four so badly. But I realize I'm gonna be sitting in the theater crying like I stubbed my toe, just like really hard on a rock. You'll you'll come around to it one day. Well, I'll probably just watch it on DVD because I'm not gonna you know cry in a movie theater. I'll cry oh. in the comfort of my own home. Oh sure, okay, like I usually do. Uh. So let's get into our topic at hand: Spider-Man: Far From Home, a movie that I really liked. I didn't like it as much as Homecoming, although I did leave this movie enjoying the soundtrack. And let's just get to that just first and foremost. The Spider-Man movies in the MCU might have some of the coolest soundtracks that even for me surpass Guardians of the Galaxy. That's well, a bold statement. That's yeah. saying something. For yeah. me, it's... Yes, it is. Oh, boy. I, I've i definitely enjoyed the movies for the, you know, the soundtracks and what they include. I think they've... They're a much more hip and vibrant reflection of Spider-Man and just his overall world. And being able to hear stuff like the Ramones, which I love was is a recurring theme from Homecoming to Far From Home. Because you have uh, Blitzkrieg Bop, I want to say, playing the original one. Yeah, you did. Yep. And then you have I Want to Be Your Boyfriend at the very end. I was I was really much a fan of this. And it was also a movie that I think I'm more attached to these movies because of the reliance on 80s music. Because, yeah, the Guardians have 70s and 60s, but growing up as a kid, I loved 80s music. 80s music was, like, what permeated in my brain growing up. So that's why I listen to 95.9 VOSFM, which, by the way, you can listen to Eddie Wilson Monday through Friday from 6 o'clock in the morning until... Nine. And you can listen to that on the Radio Bold app, available for all iOS and Android devices. That's pretty good for nothing written in front of them. Thank you. <laughs> well, I have it. I have it drilled in my head that it's ninety-five point nine VOSFM. Finally. <laughs> well, in the interest of fairness, I work at a place where the station has been brought up, and I'll just hear it called WSU or WVOS, and I'm just like, "That's not how you say that it." Is not at all how you say that. No, not if you're trying to preserve the image. Um, but Todd McFarlane and Eric Larson and he, Rob Liefeld. No, but I just thought that the one of the beginning songs that resonated in my head was the Whitney Houston. The Bodyguard soundtrack, I Will Always Love You. A remake, by the way, because Dolly Parton did it before her. So Dolly did it first. Yeah. Didn't take off nearly as well as Whitney Houston. Oh, take or off, Or with eh? Dolly, it stayed in the realm of, of country. Nonetheless, I said, whoa, what are we doing with this song in here? And I couldn't think of what it might have been specifically targeted for, towards. Was it? I don't know. Between the Peter and Tony relationship, or... And then I, we say I, it's just a tribute to all of the Avengers that died. There you go. Yep. And, again, it just kept continuing a bizarreness of what the school uh, news team is at Midtown High. And it's very much bizarre humor, just the weird cuts, the zoom-ins, the awkwardness. It doesn't remind me of like what a high school news show would be. It's like an Eric Andre or Tim and Eric skit from Adult Swim, and you're just watching the bizarreness of it. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, you know what? You were of the generation, I think, that had such a thing. A in, weird crap in school. Yeah. No, having news in-house in we the didn't. school building. You did not? We couldn't afford it. I definitely did not. So that's more of a common thing, I think, to, to have that. Yeah. There's locally to us a middle school that, that does do that. But I think it's uh, it can be both. Strictly just announcements, you're just listening to audio, 
or it could be something visual as well. Right. So it didn't really take me by surprise that they were doing this. But of course, using at least one name, was it Betty Brandt in there at the beginning and saying, okay, here's a name I know. And eventually you see in the movie, they're doing something that the character of Ned is, I guess, a mashup of Ned Leeds and Genki from the Miles Morales era of Spider-Man. So you end up getting, oh. you know, the man in the chair, or the guy in the chair, but also just Spider-Man's best friend. And we don't know, is this going to be a Ned Leeds? Like, we don't know his last name, actually. So is it Ned Leeds? Oh, we don't know. We, we assume so, but because I don't know. Because Betty does, in this movie, have a whirlwind romance with Ned. Just on the trip. Just on the vacay. Yeah. They... Never, and then, and then it's not happening. That broke my heart. That was well. It, it got pieced together suddenly, where it didn't look like they were going to even be able to speak to each other. Then all of a sudden, they're getting along like nobody's business, and and then yeah, it's over. Oh yeah, that was just a temporary. What? So, and going back real quick, going back over to the topic of the music in this movie, hmm. the song that I ended up leaving this movie absolutely falling in love with was Stella Stai by Umberto Tozzi. And I probably botched the pronunciation of his name, but that song that plays during the whole you know scene where Peter's moving into the seat and now he's seated next to his teacher, which, by the way, fun fact, that's the uh, college student from Incredible Hulk, the, uh, the uh, Ed Norton one. And eventually he goes on to become Peter's teacher. And I can't think of his... Um, his Oh, 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 oh. Is it... Smooth? No, you're no. thinking of J.B. Smooth. Right, I'm sorry. Yeah. Who, in this movie, I love all of the secret, like the little gags that they throw in there. Mm-hmm. And again, this is a movie where it's going to really benefit from repeat viewings and just pausing the movie. Yeah. When you end up seeing the scene where Peter is using Edith, which by the way, I love the acronym so <laughs> damn much. Like that is such a Tony Stark kind of line. But when you see him using Edith, and you see him looking at everybody on the bus. You end up seeing him also look at that teacher. And earlier in the movie, he goes, I know I'm a man of science. And I know what this caused. Or what caused this. Witches. Witches. He's reading a book on witchcraft. Uh-huh. I noticed that during my second viewing. So I saw that and I'm like, I'm curious what his other teacher had going on. Because you see like this long paragraph of text. And I'm curious oh, okay. what it was. Yeah. Could it have been in regards to, yeah, my wife left me. We thought she died, but she just, you know, she ran away during the uh, the snap. Turns out she never died. We had a funeral and everything. It was a fake funeral, I guess, but I didn't know it at the time. No, you didn't Hey, you want to watch time. the video? And just <laughs> how really pathetic he was. I enjoyed the hell out of how pathetic that man really was. It was like looking in a mirror. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, just in saying, want to know what, the, the reading part was reminding me of, in Doctor Strange, what was it that Stan Lee and his cameo was reading? You kind of saw a title of something, I for, but... I forgot the name of the book. It was... That's hilarious. It was something from the 1960s. Uh, the, okay. the Doors of Perception. Doors of Perception, there thank you. Okay, right. right exactly. <laughs> ah, this is hilarious. Which is where Williams. the group The Doors took their name. Yes, they did. Okay. I love that Eddie knows that so immediately offhand. It's I was a big Doors fan. Well, yeah. The the BCDs. In the early likes, yes. Now Eddie likes Blondie, 
the cars, and... The doors. Because I once said, what are your ABCs? And you looked at me confused. And then you go, BCDs. I'm like, oh, oh, that makes more sense. But we all know that the A was actually ABBA. Just so fine. Fine, fine. We'll just change your mind, Eddie. You're the first in line. Thanks a lot. I'm take, a, take a chance on me. Take a chance. It's like a choo-choo train when you hear that part, by the way. Yes, okay. Eddie's just so disappointed now. <laughs> no, it seems like how many musical references can we possibly jam into one episode? We're going for it, I guess. We will find a way. Lordy, will we ever find a way. Yeah. But in regards to what else in the movie? Well, what else for the for the music? Um, at the end, the Go-Go's vacation. I'm like, yeah, that fits. And again, my thing about these movies that I love is the high school imagery that everything in here is like a kid doing, you know, his doodles on his school notebook. Mm-hmm. And he's like just, he found a way to animate his doodles on his school notebook. The ones you don't eat, the cheesy ones. Stop that. Can become animation. Sure. No, that I think perpetuates from the previous movie also with that technique during the credits. Right. And that's cool. That's that's fine. That definitely works. I mean, I think you could have even used possibly the song Vacation from the Go-Go's earlier when they first get out, set out on the trip. Yeah, but I think using it as the credit song was like the grand finale mm-hmm. of all of it. I like that. And Leaving again, on an up note, yeah. And again, going over to the whole use of 1980s stuff, there was a lot of 1980s music used in the previous film in Homecoming. You end up having Space Age Love Song by A Flock of Seagulls, which is one of hmm. four, or I believe, mm-hmm. three songs I know by A Flock of Seagulls other than Iran. Yeah, they're, lim- photograph. They're, they're, they're limited as far as how many you could actually, yeah, there were, there were hits. But I know some songs. Yeah, wishing if I had a photograph of you, right? Then Space Age Love Song. Right. And my personal favorite song, Heart of Steel. Heart of Steel. Mm-hmm. You're on your own. I, I don't know okay. if that was a single or if it was a popular song, but I remember hearing it years and years ago, and it really caught with me. Hmm. If you're on YouTube or Spotify or whatever, check that song out. Tell me you like it, if you do. If, if you don't, lie to me. I didn't listen. I don't know. But Eddie will. Can't tell you. Heart of Steel. Okay. Mm-hmm. No. Now, there are no. no kicks. No kicks? Like the cereal? K- K-I-X, the band. Oh, the band. Oh, yeah. Okay. Don't tell me no. Tell me yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, there's just references. Now it's just basically just a podcast where Eddie and I just make song references to each other and just to make each other. Laugh. That's a short episode, <laughs> or just strung you. it all to string it all together, and you've got a medley, a big old mess, a medley, a medley of a mess, yeah, a messly, yeah. But with uh, the music in this movie, again, I'm just I'm a sucker for this stuff. I think the idea of 1980s music. It's the complete opposite of what these kind of characters are, too. You know, because like that's not the kind of stuff they would listen to. They would no. They'd be listening to more, you know, indie stuff or like more, you know, it's current popular. And it's again just a complete opposite of what the characters are. And I like that. Yeah, I know you'd pick up more music of the uh, Captain Marvel era, let's say, in the nineties or so, even. But you know, continue it along it makes sense to continue along the same time frame music wise that you started with, especially with Ramones. Oh, yeah. And, and that's actually, actually throwing back to the late, 19th, se- yeah, late exactly. 70s. So, you know, bringing it into the 80s, early 80s was the Go-Go's for sure. But but the Whitney Houston was late 80s or early 90s, actually. That's uh, early 90s because of yeah. the movie The Bodyguard. It was like 93 or two. Yeah, something like that. 
I think we've exhausted the music component at this moment because oh, yeah. um, it, it helps move things along. I don't know that I actually looked before watching the movie how long it was or even made complete note of it after the fact. For the, the length fact, of it, it, it did move really fast. Yeah. And like I believe around the time... Right when you get to the part where Mysterio reveals his true, you know, colors and has the whole, uh, the bar just change and you see some people, oh, they were just projections all along. Mm. That's when the movie really starts kicking into high gear and you're just towards the end of the movie now. You're like, okay, now it's going. It's boom, 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 and it's done. Yeah, exactly. I think there was uh, initial grumbling as to why did they make Mysterio a good person. I love the people that... Read a comic book, people. Just yeah. read a comic book at least once in your life. But the fact that there were so many people that were like, oh, I can't wait to see more of this Mysterio guy. Well, unfortunately, I have some bad news for you with the ending. <laughs> but on top of that, just the idea of, really? You thought he was going to be the hero? I mean, he's got a beard. Look at that beard, man. That's an evil beard. It's always a stereotype portrayal. That, you know, he's got a beard, facial hair. Must be hiding something. Can't be good. Yeah, chin. Ooh, that's right. Maybe with a cloud. And an upper lip. Oh, that's right. That too. And a cheek sometimes, depending on the patches of hair. But the whole overall uh, idea of people going on and questioning that, I love the moment when it's revealed. All right. All right. All right. Parker's gone. Yes, we got him. <laughs> and just the simple line of get this stupid costume off of me, because that probably was a... like. Not an improv line, but that's probably also how Jake Gyllenhaal was really thinking. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> imagine having to wear all of that stuff all the time. And you see him take that one part of it off, and you see then the green outfit underneath. He kind of has the comic book version of Mysterio's outfit underneath there, if you notice. Like, that version as well. Yeah, yeah. it's It's got those markings on the gray that you would have if he was on a gr in front of a green screen or something to that effect. Yeah, he'd sure. just be, you know, a, a floating set of hands and a head. Right. Right, exactly. That'd be a terrible Timely, idea. Timely, though, by the way, that... Comics, yes, that was the company originally before Marvel. the comic book came out, The True Believers, Amazing Spider-Man, which was, you know, a dollar comic and it had Mysterio on it, which I believe is number 13 of Amazing Spider-Man, a reprint. So good parallel there to... Pick that up if you got a chance I mean, to. They, they do that on purpose. Yeah. Like I, 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 again, going over to the True Believer stuff, I always found it funny that when Infinity War came out, they did a whole month of Thanos books for the True Believer line. And then the final week, the week of Endgame, they released a uh, issue of True Believer where it was the debut of Carol Danvers. All Thanos books, one Carol Danvers. I'm like, hey, huh. Yo, well. That's really uh, foreshadowing, isn't it, folks? <laughs> Which, again, is really smart because it's making people prepared for what's ahead. And, yeah, with this movie, there was a lot of a lot of wondering of what the future may hold for this film. And the character in general, the franchise, and the future of the MCU. And some people are like, well, are they going to make him into the Tony Stark, the Iron Man? There is no way that Spider-Man is going to be that. For two reasons. One, young and inexperienced. But, hey, Tony Stark was inexperienced in a lot of ways. But still, he was Tony Stank. You also have to factor oh, this in. Yeah. Do you really think Marvel Studios is going to make the key franchise in their cinematic universe something that they don't fully own? No. There's no way. No, no, no. And you honestly, I don't blame them. I really do not blame them. 
and the idea of, oh, let's give it over to him. No, it's not going to happen. If if it happens, who do you think is going to be the torchbearer in the MCU? Johnny Storm. Stop that. I think it's good. Toro? (sighs) I, I understood that reference. Frankie Ray, the female Nova. Stop that. I don't know who could be the main face of the MCU. Some people say Captain Marvel, and I kind of don't see that. Mm. I think right now the MCU is faceless, and that's really good because it gives it time to organically build something. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because Captain Marvel can't be the face yet. You don't have a face in regards to Black Panther. You don't have one in terms of Doctor Strange. But you would be lo- 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 loony for you. Who would want to be oh. the faceless? For, for... Yeah, let's, go, let's do a little side real quick. <laughs> Bill Sienkiewicz is going on now saying that he, I guess, has talked with Keanu Reeves about the idea, hey, I think you could play Moon Knight. And he pointed out there's a lot of similarities with Keanu in his different roles over the years that he reflects every single version of Moon Knight. Every, oh boy. Okay. Yeah. You have uh, Locky, the cab driver. You have Mark Spector, the mercenary. Moon Knight, the, the Moon Knight. You have just all these different interpretations. Stephen Grant. Mm-hmm. Again, right. all of them are perfect. And Keanu can do it. And I'm one of those people. I, I would love to see him do that. And so I think it was you that mentioned it. Yeah, but then you have Keanu's face covered up. Not all the time. Right. Yeah, exactly. I just I just equated Stephen Grant to uh, Tony Stark in terms of persona in that in that respect. Yeah. Or at least coming off as being playboyish and yeah. But in regards to a face for the MCU, I again I can't see Doctor Strange being a face of the MCU. I think for the for the foreseeable future, it's going to be again like I said, faceless. Like the chameleon. I think it's going to be a group of characters that there's no one straight up, you know, identifiable person for the, you know, this universe. Straight up? Paul Abdul. Stop that. It's going to be the idea of, like, we had Iron Man and Captain America representing everything. Uh, yeah. So getting away from that, I think, is probably, yeah, because in part of the opening number, seeing them as being lost in one way or another... And it's like, oh, I like yeah, how they, that's right. I like how they considered Captain America dead. I'm like, no, he's not dead. Yeah, that's why I said lost. Yeah, yeah. And let me let me point something out. Two little things. One, something that kind of like tugged at my heartstrings a little bit was watching the Marvel Studios opening, and you're seeing Captain America, you're seeing Tony Stark again, and you're just like, oh, but they're gonna be gone. They're not gonna be in the future movies. Mm. And it, I did like seeing a lot of archive footage with Robert Downey Jr. in this film. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was a big mm-hmm. reliance on it. And it wasn't that distracting, but it was also like just a continual like kick in the heart's balls of, yeah, he's gone. He's not coming back. Yeah, he's, well, whether it was something did. like that or or in, in terms of uh, on a, a painting, a mural on a wall, you kept seeing these images. Yeah. Yeah. And something that we did not see in this movie, and we're not going to see in the future, we didn't get a Stanley cameo. It, it was confirmed, hey, it's not going to happen, but not even like an Easter egg of like maybe a poster with Stan's, you know, smiling face. Nothing. Yeah, no, this was, yep, we told you about it, the producers, et cetera. Yeah. This, is, this is where it begins with the non-appearance. But I thought somewhere in there there was a, there was a nod, a credit, a thank oh, you. Oh, yeah, there's that. So you still had... 
Which is only right. The acknowledgement, yeah. Yeah. But just the idea, like, not even, like, something in the background. Mm. Nothing. And, again, I understand why, but it's also, like, man, that sucks. Good, you understand why. That's good. Like, how rough is it when you really think about it? Stan Lee passes away. The first movie that will not feature him is a Spider-Man movie. That's, like, wow. So it was appropriate. His final movie was Endgame. So, yeah, and there was a tough call, I'm sure, for the big wigs to have to make. How big were their wigs? Uh, not colonial times, but, you know, or in, the, or in the courtroom. But Lord and Lady Douchebag. Wow. Classic SNL reference. Oh, okay. Anyway. Anyway. Hemingway, yes. Ernest. Scared stupid. Ernst. Okay. Her too. <laughs> but overall, just, you know, again, not seeing Stan... It's a bummer, but it's it was expected. Although, for those of you that saw it, Eddie, did you go for the uh, re-release of Endgame? No. Really? Time was not on my side for that. Mm-mm. I ended up going to it, and to be completely honest, yeah, we're a Marvel podcast, but even I was just like, cool, I get to see it again for a fourth time and be really sad, you know, that these characters are gone. Mm. And all of the bonus stuff was stuff that you're going to end up getting on the Blu-ray release. So, like, you know, you have the introduction by Anthony Russo, intro, outro, and then there was a deleted scene with the Hulk, which was going to be his original introduction of him being this over-the-top kind of superhero, helping, you know, jumping up and saving people. Oh, okay. So Mm -hmm. it was cool seeing that interpretation of the Hulk because you don't see how the world views the Hulk now, where he's just this peachy keen kind of uh, superhero, you know? No, he's got the brains and he's got the brutish side. And the Hulk side, Yeah. And the Hulk phone. So you have all that stuff and they don't do it, which, again, yeah, I'm kind of fine with that. That's that's all right. But the the other thing that they included for the uh, Endgame re-release was the opening scene from Spider-Man Homecoming. So you see the, uh, the scene with Nick Fury, Maria Hill, and Mysterio. That was it. And then it goes, see Spider-Man oh, far from home. Oh, 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 okay. I'm like, oh, cool. Well, we're going to go see it anyway because it's Marvel. So, yeah, we, we know this, people. And there was also a Stan Lee tribute. And it's like showing behind-the-scenes footage all the way up to Iron Man and, you know, interviews with Stan. So that was cool to see. Yeah. But, like I said, was it worth it? I mean, sure, I got a cool poster out of it. Promo material. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's really about it. But if you if you didn't see it, you didn't see it, but... It was it was cool to see it again. One it would have been cool if you brought the poster over so I could have seen it. Well, I mean, you can go on the internet and look it up, Eddie. Why? Older guy over here, remember? I can send it okay. to you then. Oh, okay. Please send poster to the following address. 8675309. Oh, Jenny. <laughs> Didn't have to do with anything. I just wanted to do a song reference. <laughs> it's true. He did it again. Whoops, I did it again. Oh, sorry about Eddie that, Wilson Brittany. almost choked on me just uh, from a random Britney Spears reference. It was a cough drop, please. No. But in regards to the movie, what else, Eddie? Just getting the one view, I mean, definitely needs to be seen again for things that were missed. Um, like I earlier like Tony mentioned- Tony Stark, we definitely missed him. Yes, for sure. And the Widow. Now The Widow this, Potts? Th- yes, The Widow Potts. The Widow Natasha. But looking at license plates with hidden meanings in their numbers is what um, 
Eddie Wilson does M- with his free time. MJ and Spidey, that uh, podcast, that podcast, that Facebook name. Um, they they mentioned May Parker's car, also featured in Homecoming. Uh, the car in front of Nick Fury and Maria Hill in Mexico. There's a, there's a boat behind Betty and Ned in Venice. There's numbers that mean apparently things. Um, Fury and Hill's car in Prague. What do these have to do with anything? Um, Is your guess, true believer? Yeah, Fury's car in Berlin, and the car in the post-credit scene. And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. Should I continue? If you would you like to. Little boy blue and the man in the moon. Okay. When you coming home, son, I don't know when. We'll get together then. Son. We're going to have a good time then. Ugh. Okay. A child arrived just the other day. No, anyway. Please don't continue. No, we're back to the beginning. No, 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 no. So they don't say what what the numbers say, mean, or whatever, but that's the ones you should look for. And get yourself a no prize, which is a good reference in that uh, posting on Facebook. So hashtag MJ and Spidey for doing that. What does the hashtag do? Um, I don't know. Tic-tac-toe, a very miniature scale. That really is tiny. Yeah. So there's that. Or those in this case. And there's also like other little things that are scattered throughout the movie. For example, when you end up seeing him fl- uh, swing through, he ends up taking some selfies and does a little peace sign. That's yes. an acknowledgement, a little nod to the Spider-Man PS4 game. When you're playing the game, you can do photo mode and one of them is selfies. And the main pose that he does throughout all of the game is the peace sign for the selfie. Oh, okay. So seeing that, and apparently Insomniac Games, the developers of Spider-Man PS4, were in attendance for a private screening of it, and they had a, a round of applause for when he did the selfie. Uh, oh, getting the sign. reference. There you go. Well, you just mentioned, too, the swinging part, and that reminded me, I think this was one of the very few times, especially in a Marvel movie, where you get to the end of the film, which involves... Spider-Man taking MJ and swinging on the web line. And then when you get to the mid credit scene, it continues that same scene yeah. that, that's occurring. So I think that little technique was just a little twist, a little something different. And then, yeah, we get to the, uh, the big reveal. Which I ended up getting spoiled for me uh, through the premiere photos. Because you saw J.K. Simmons talking to somebody... He's talking to people, and then in the background, I don't know if you got anybody noticed, but he's talking to the Practical Jokers, so you see oh, no. Q, okay. Sal, uh, Murr, and I want to say Joe Gatto is in there as well. The frankincense? You stop that. What? But in regards to that, that actually spoiled it for me. And then on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash themarvelists, somebody actually comments with a screenshot from the mid credit scene. And I will admit, I ended up deleting the comment, but also banning that user from our page because I'm sorry, people, but I don't want this movie spoiled for John Q. Public. Mm-hmm. So whoever you were, you shouldn't have done that shit. You really should not have done that. <laughs> I mean, mind you, we lost that like on our page, but yeah. we ended up getting a few more. So bye, Felicia. Or oh. if your name is Phil, bye, Phil. Oh, okay. Isha. Because that, in seeing how, what was it, FX, another network or so, playing all the Spider-Man, pretty much all the Spider-Man movies 
surrounding the 4th of July, 2nd of July, and the subsequent day's weekend release of how in Amazing Spider-Man 2 that the assistant to Harry Osborn, or at least in conversation, was a, a woman named Felicia. And I said, oh, this could be something. And it wasn't. And it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'm curious about, Eddie, is in regards to the J. Jonah Jameson scene. We're talking about that big reveal. J.K. Simmons is reprising the role of J. Of J. Jonah Jameson. And then, to be honest, I did not see this coming. I'm like quick. I'm like uh, anybody dealing with Quicksilver. Quicksilver. What? You didn't see that coming? Really sorry for our European listeners out there for my really bad impression. It was almost offensive, even. Well, but if you keep your arms down. But wow, wow. But anyway, so it got me thinking. Yeah, there is not a multiverse with the whole thing of Quentin Beck. You know, he's a con man. He does his own thing and ends up tricking people and believing he's a person from another dimension, another universe. Yeah. But the whole concept of multiverses could be something very interesting in a quote-unquote post-blip world. This means we could end up getting some actors reprising their roles from previous film studios' characters. Yes, absolutely. And the biggest one for me is I'm kind of backpedaling on a belief I've had for a while. Ryan Reynolds may never play Deadpool again. Yeah, bullshit. Now I'm going with Ryan Reynolds is probably going to show up. And uh-huh. oh, the references to the Fox universe we're going to be getting. <laughs> and we might even then one day get somebody else to reprise a role. And I think you know who I'm talking about. You know? He's got six claws. Oofa. And he can sing very well in his other roles. In his other roles, exactly. Wow. Huge. Yeah, he's huge the, comeback. He's the huge jacked man himself, Hugh Jackman, who is ironically taller than Wolverine, the character he portrays. Well, you know. It happens. But. And definitely marked differences between that and actual Wolverine. Well, what I'm getting at in regards to, yeah, yeah the Science Sunday was a that fantastic was, thing I saw. That was, yeah, I had to take notes and that was how I did it. <laughs> that was fantastic. But the idea, uh, and if you haven't seen that, go on our Facebook page. It's a Science Sunday, I believe, from... Garden State Comic Fest. Just phenomenal stuff. But in regards to Hugh Jackman and, you know, Ryan Reynolds maybe returning to the... You know, returning to their characters in the MCU, what I'm getting at is the blip maybe brings in people from other dimensions that were time-displaced and they ended up there somehow. We don't know. And it can continue with the whole idea of Hugh Jackman's character being a nomad kind of character going around. Not that nomad, Eddie. Ha ha. Oh, I just... (laughs) That's... Yeah. But the idea of all these characters showing up in this new world. Well, you know, part of of it also was having to believe who Mysterio was coming to be at the beginning of the film, trying to swallow that little nugget. And that he's got some kind of powers. What kind of sauce was on the nugget, Eddie? Oh, sweet and sour, um, barbecue. I prefer barbecue, thank you. We go to Arby's, throw on some horsey sauce. Oh, no, go ahead. I'll catch up. You know, (laughs) no, we have catsup, Eddie. Only catsup. Oh, that's right. Okay. This is a catsup household, Eddie. Yeah. But I like the 57 brand. It's pretty good. Anyway. 
the overall idea though of the multiverse is something like I said that's going to open up a lot of doors and it again we could be seeing people even from the Netflix series reprising their roles coming back over because wow. yeah to be honest Charlie Cox is did a phenomenal job as Matt Murdock Daredevil and I can't see anyone else playing Daredevil now so if that's the case we might see Peter Parker's one day lawyer show up as Charlie Cox under the suits. Yeah. Why not? Sure. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see that. I think that would be a great way to introduce the character because it won't, I don't think it'll confuse the audience like some people will believe. Because seeing J.K. Simmons show up, we know this is a, it's the same actor, the same character. But it's a different universe because we know this origin story of Peter Parker is much different or this interpretation of Peter Parker is much different than Tugboat's version from 2002 to 2007. Yes, yes, true. So I think the idea of that, there's no way there's going to be confusion with audiences. And I'm curious, when you went to go for your showing of Spider-Man, what was the reaction when J.K. showed up on screen? There were some... Oz or 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 maybe a little cheer kind of thing. I heard I heard like a one guy go, yes. <laughs> he literally raised his. Or fist maybe up you got air. something like a what, or a whoa. But you know, yeah. So definitely, and I think you you saw and heard him at the same time. I don't think one came before the. Maybe you saw him before he actually spoke, perhaps, on that on that news story, but. It makes you wonder, I think, well, in the course of what actually happened in the film, who was who could have set this up, perhaps Mysterio himself, to, you know, in in, in, the, in case I die, uh, release this, play right. this. This is my ultimate revenge or whatever. So that could have been a whole fabrication and some clever editing because it's not the way it went down. Yeah. And it, it was a very curious take seeing that we're not going to be getting the Daily Bugle as a newspaper. <laughs> we're getting it instead as a InfoWars, Alex Jones kind of thing. And a lot of people have been pointing out this is very similar to the J. Jonah Jameson in the Spider-Man PS4 game. When you're playing the game, you end up having your police uh, scanner going through. You hear things like that. You hear like little, Peter, this is Mary Jane. I'm talking to you right now on your web device, whatever. But you also hear every once in a while... Spider-Man listening to a J. Jonah Jameson podcast. And it's him going over the top of how much he hates Spider-Man, relating it to, you know, like the mission you just completed, (sighs) saying, and then Spider-Man over here. And, you know, just him flipping over every single time, just Spider-Man this, Spider-Man that. So to be able to go with this new interpretation of the character, that's a curious take. I am kind of disappointed that they're not going with the newspaper angle. But at the same time, I'm also curious again, what does this mean? Are we going to get a Spider-Man movie where we don't have him? Ah, gee whiz, Mr. Jameson, here are some photographs. I'll tell you what it means. It's a digital paper. I mean, is it even a paper anymore, Jonah? It's only in name, not in substance. Saving the trees, that's what we're doing. Pretty much. (laughs) Pretty much. But in regards to the character of Jonah 
I like I I like a lot of the changes they've done. Now they're just like, nah, nah, he's bald in the middle now. Okay, <laughs> why not? I guess he, he doesn't trust his barber. He's gotten older. Yeah, that was a good that was a good post. That very very short haircut to no hair, and that's the way it is. Well, you had to show thank aging you, more. Thank so. you, Bruce Hornsby, in the range. Uh, yeah, but of more recent commercial, I think take there was a Run DMC also. That's disappointing. I like Run DMC, but still. But Shout out to Daryl McDaniels, who was on the show once. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. But with Jonah, you also... What else do you have? You have the possibility of so many other characters to show up now. Because, to be honest, there's so many side characters in the Spider-Man universe that you can utilize now. And I want to know what's next. And this was a movie that, when I left... I want to consume more Spider-Man stuff again. I want to read as much as I can. I want to watch as much as I can. I'm, again, I've been talking to you about it. I'm on the fence, but I'm also leaning towards, I might still do it. Super Mega Fest, I kind of want to meet Nicholas Hammond now. <laughs> like, there's a small part. I'm like, do I want to end my 2019 convention scene with New York Comic Con, or do I want to end it with meeting <laughs> Spider-Man? I don't know. We don't know what he looks like now, too, by the way, but that's, you know, part and parcel for... So wait, what be. you're getting at is you want pictures. Pictures of Spider-Man now. Yeah, that's it. Give me pictures. Of Hammond. Something I can print. <laughs> Give me Hammond on Rye. Oh, we don't even know what type he likes. We don't. But with this movie, we got a take on the characters that, to be completely honest, I'm a big fan of, and... I actually, I had my Twitter blown up recently because Jeremy Conrad of MCU Cosmic Cast retweeted something I said to him and it led to me for the first time ever on Twitter muting a conversation. Ooh. So any replies that have been coming since, I don't see them now because... Like when in Amazing Spider-Man 2 when uh, Peter webbed... Gwen's hand to the hood of the police car, and she said, Peter! Well, you're talking about amazing Spider-Man 2, Eddie. Yes. Not yes. Spider-Man 2. That was a Sorry, good movie. Forgive me. I had, to, I had to get it out fast. Amazing was terrible. Oh. Electro. Oh. Man, what a dud. Anyway. He was blue. Uh, Electric blue. They blew it all right. Name that one, buddy. Electric blue. <laughs> Ice house. Thank you very much. Is it... H O Ice House. Like two words that you know commonly put them together. Ice House. Okay. It's a late 80s thing. I'm sure it is. Go ahead. But one of the things also, like I was saying, is the, you know, interpretations of the characters, what's next. We don't know what's next. And I was curious with the overall interpretation of Mysterio. To be honest, I think he's one of the best villains. Again, Spider-Man movies, they're really damn good with his villains in the MCU so far. You have Vulture, you have Mysterio. You said Electro. I'm talking about in the MCU. <gasps> movies that matter. Oh, and uh, go, MTM. Real quick, actually, like I was saying, because I lost my point and now it's back to it. But remember I was mentioning about Spider-Man with my Twitter recently? Well... I like the Sam Raimi movies. Let me preface it with that. But to be completely honest, and this is going to mm. lead to some people being really pissy with me, but mm. I really don't care anymore. 
if you think the Raimi movies are leaps and bounds better than the MCU, you got nostalgia glasses super glued to your face. And that's what I said to Jeremy Conrad, and it led to people calling me a hack. It led to people Ooh. calling me delusional and all this. Unmentionables. And I'm just like, yep. And I was just like, well, time to silence my Twitter for a little bit. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm sorry. I just, no, 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 no. no. I, again, I like the Raimi movies, but I prefer Tom Holland's approach. And you said I don't care anymore, didn't you? Thank you, Phil Collins. Yeah. No mo. No mo. Now, before we tell the people at home what we thought about this movie, we got a listener question from Rob. Rob, who was on our Rob Liefeld episode. So we had two Robs in that episode. It's kind of cool. It's like Ooh, stereo. Stereo Robs. Rob asks, how do you guys feel about the way they did Mysterio? And if you're doing spoilers... Do you actually think he's dead? I think he did. And I think they did a fantastic job of the character of Mysterio. Eddie? A very entertaining character and deceiving. That's not, a perfect no, word for not that. Not knowing how, yeah, I mean, I don't even know if I want to say magician sleight of hand, but... Um, Illusions, Michael. Exactly. The, uh, the distraction that gets set up. Like like when a woman gets cut in two from from that, and there is a uh, a distraction, excuse me, diversion. That's the word I'm looking at. Diversions, Michael. Trying to, yeah, exactly. And what did you say? He's dead. Yeah, he's definitely dead. He's, he's which bums me out because he was a phenomenal villain, and there were the moments where you're you're seeing Quentin Beck talk to him, and he's like, "I really am sorry," and. Yeah, because like he did develop a friendship with him. And yeah, there's the moments where he's this unhinged human being, but I don't know. I, I thought he did a phenomenal job in the role. He did such a great job being that villain. He wanted to be the new Iron Man. And we do get a new Iron Man in the form of Peter Parker when you see the one scene where he's sitting in the plane playing around with the you know the holographic stuff. And at one point, what does he do? And I admit, this is really pathetic of me to admit, but I kind of teared up a little bit when you see the one part where he puts his hand in the little circular thing, oh, pulls his yeah. hand doing the Tony Stark thing, and then you just see, what? And then Happy Hogan just goes, nothing. Like, that made me tear up. Perfect, like, yeah, and then to play ACDC back in black. Oh, no, I thought that was Led Zeppelin. ACDC back in black. It was Led Zeppelin. Uh, that's what, yeah, Thank that's what... Yeah, that's the joke. That is exact. Yes, yes. That's, but just it's in there, and yeah. I would say, for me, it's not the best Spider-Man movie of all time. What up, Spider-Verse? But it is up there, and I would say top Spider-Man movies. We got number one for me, Spider-Verse. Number two, Homecoming. Number three is Spider-Man Two. Number four, Far From Home. Hmm, okay, that's going across the board pretty well. I can't, you know, that's something that I think we need to address in the future. Where's Amazing ranked, Eddie? Where's Amazing ranked? Uh, after the four that you mentioned, so yeah. Really? I'm, I'm saying, I could, I could understand if, if it's on your system, that's where it is. I did not rank them all. Yeah, we haven't even ranked the any, Amazings yet. Yes, Spoilers correct. for me, they're on the bottom. Uh, right. So they're they're down there. Man, how it? is it that Amazing Spider-Man 2 is worse than Spider-Man 3? 
Yeah, it's, Paul Giamatti. It's how it's the rhino. Uh, you fight me now. <laughs> so, Eddie, before we wrap this episode up, we want to tell the folks at home what we thought of the episode. I loved it. You? Pretty gosh darn close to that, I think. There's part of me that wished... It never ended. Peter uh, evolved a little more. Maybe hoped that he could have come more into his own. and But, you know, still trying to wean off and, and become more on his own than just being, you know, a protege of Tony. I am curious. It's, so you- hard, to, it's hard to separate to any great degree from the most recent Endgame events. So it probably needs now the next step would be him more of an independent, I want to say, character and not be as I have thought of it as a tech Spidey. Right. Because this is not my Spider-Man that I grew up with. Yeah, but it's always going to be different interpretations. This is more Ultimate Spider-Man, which... Mm -hmm. The kids nowadays, they can relate to, you know? I can see yeah, that. Yeah, But that's the, thi- that's the thing about Spider-Man, and we get that in Into the Spider-Verse. It's about who has the mask. Everybody is different. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that idea that, yeah, you know, it's not going to be that. Although if you want to get, you know, your Spider-Man, the one from when you were a kid, you can read the Spider-Girl comic, and you end up seeing that same Spider-Man, you know, now he's an adult, he's a parent, mm-hmm. he's this. Mm-hmm. It's all about the interpretation of the character, and I like that. I like that idea that there's so many different versions, a Spider-Man for each, you know, taste palette, essentially. Mm, okay. And, like, for me, Ultimate Spider-Man was the Spider-Man I grew up on. Like, that was around, you know, when I was in adolescence, you know, growing up reading comics, and as well as, you know, Spider-Man from the animated series of 94. Right. It's so, like, that's, yep. my, that's my Spider-Man, but your Spider-Man is different than mine, and it might be different than, you know, another person who, like, grew up watching, you know, sensi- or Spectacular Spider-Man and read maybe, like, the uh, Mark Guggenheim, Dan Slott era. So it's the, yeah, it's very much a generational kind of thing, too, with the character. Which I like about that. There's, like, so much. And you can't really say that about that many characters when you really think about it. No, I, I agree. Like, um, some will... Stay, I think, the same. I mean, crossing over now, I, I think you have a lot of similarity, no matter who it is, with the core three of the Distinguished Competition. So that's not really going to deviate too they're, much. They're always the same, the same versions. Like, maybe yeah. Batman got a little bit darker, you know, or got a lot darker in the 80s with the Frank Miller interpretations. Yeah. Like, there's really not much of a difference. And I can't think of any other characters offhand that have had like that stark evolution, like where there's, there's these, all these different interpretations of them. Maybe Iron Man, because the comic version now is, you know, mimicking more of the movies. Okay. Mm -hmm. I would go with him, maybe the guardians where they now match the movies. Yes. Of recent, of a recent run. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although we've talked about how the guardians were a far cry from what they started off. As yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, for me, Far From Home was Far From Bad. I thought it was a fantastic movie. And it's, again, an example of the these people can't do wrong with these characters. Like, Spider-Man is a hard character to work on. He's very hard to work on. 
but when they get it right, damn, they get it right. Yeah, I, there's some little things like like were mentioned, whether it was in this episode or prior, getting past the age of Aunt May, getting uh, through the idea of okay, she knows it's him, and we just move on. Yeah, um, I didn't like that to be honest. Yeah, would it have been so bad to put maybe sixty seconds into? Him explaining to her. I think it would have been great if the movie started with her just going. (laughs) (laughs) That was how I wanted that movie to start, and it didn't, and I was really disappointed. But in a good way, I'm like, ah man. Then again, that is the easy way to go into this movie, so I understand. Uh huh. But the, I, I just think when in regards to the Aunt May thing, I like this version with Marissa Tomei and. To be honest, when you're a 15, 16 year old kid and you have an aunt, she's not going to be like Aunt May, you know, in the comics where she's like an octogenarian or whatever. You know? uh, yeah. So yeah. that would mean like his parents were like, you know, 50, 50, 60. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, eh, it really doesn't make sense. No, no. But the whole hot aunt kind of thing, I'm like, yeah, that's happened. And I know friends that have aunts like that. And that it's okay that there seems to be a relationship between Happy and. Aunt May? I'm un- I'm fine with that because that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's... She's hot, Eddie. Yeah. 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 I mean, if, you know, you're seeing his aunt all the time, you're like... You see him all the time, you're like, Hey, May. I want to talk to her for a little bit. <laughs> it's, it's that kind of thing. It, it <laughs> makes perfect sense. Uh-huh. That's, your, that's the approach. Because okay. now he's going to have a new dad. Happy going to be new with dad. <sighs> Happy new day. happy happy papa. Yeah. Yeah. Happy a papa. And overall I think I think um Favreau had a great role in this film. He was the line of Tony Stark couldn't fit in Tony Stark's shoes or whatever the line was. Just there's so many right, right. so many great things and you see the level of Yeah, I miss him too. Like, it, there's no going around that. You, you missed him, too. Yeah. And it is it is one of those really sad things where you realize, man, this is not, this is going to be rough for these characters for a little while. Because we're going to, the characters are going to be in the mourning stage for a while. Like, it's going to reflect in the next few movies, I guarantee. Mm-hmm. You will, like, it won't be a, over the top kind of thing, but it will be mentioned from time to time that, yeah, the main guys are gone. Like, I think in the next movie, we're going to be acknowledging that maybe Black Widow's not around, whatever the next movie is. I think I think the Black Widow movie is going to open with something having to do with her passing. It has to. It absolutely has to. Uh, it Yeah. As a nod to acknowledge that happening, yes, correct. But the bulk of it then would have to, of course, be an or a backup, as a back story. Yeah. How she came to be the person that we knew her on screen as. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So now before we get into our interview... But what what, about... What? The very end credit. The post scene, post credit scene. A lot of people have been asking about that scene, and I'm one of those people, I think it's going to be leading to S.W.O.R.D. S.W.O.R.D. is going to be involved. Were Nick and Marie actually in this film? (laughs) Yeah. We end up getting the return of Talos and his wife. Yeah. And the rest of them, uh, I, although I have to admit then, seeing when they communicated with 
Nick Fury and where he was, the extreme close-up of a scene on the beach. Wait a minute, I said, that sky doesn't look quite right. Yeah. I wasn't sure how, but the little Eddie sense went off and said, oh, it's, uh, it's, oh, your Eddie it's, tingle? it's made up by Eddie Tingle. Yeah. Yeah, I guess he kind of gave up, Peter, on, on that uh, reference. When May quoted it and then Happy quoted it, it's a Peter Tingle. And oh, then okay. Night Monkey became a thing. Night Monkey. Which, by the way, if you and go on to Public and type in Night Monkey, there might be a t-shirt in the style of the 1990s Spider-Man logo available for sale. And it might be helping out a certain person get a royalty on that. Or oof. not a royalty, but a little bit of a commission. Mm-mm-mm-mm. So I think you totally should buy that if you see it. I mean, I don't know who made that shirt, but... <laughs> I'll bet. Yeah, and you should also check out his Jackson 5 t-shirt, which has the band Hanson and the logos done in the Nirvana font. Because it's funny on two levels. Three, even. Before, well, during, and after. And you should buy the Bunch of Bullshit sticker or t-shirt done in the style of the Back to the Future logo. But again, I don't know who this person is that makes these things, even though their name is in the username. But hey, I... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. PM, yeah. that's all yeah. it means. Shh, mm-hmm. kayfabe, babe. Shh. But... <laughs> So yeah, Fury in space with the Skrulls. And we don't know what's next. And again... Back to work. I love it. I think leaving the audience with so many questions is great. Because it gives speculation. And speculation is one of the most fun things about being a fan. Would you agree? Uh, Yes, to a degree. I do. You agree to agree to agree. You agree to a degree. Yeah. What degree? Is it oh, an associates? Is it a master's? It's, it's a it's a percentile. Like a third. I could see that. Not a percent, but it's a third. It's a fraction. So yeah, five out of five. Five out of five. Yeah. Well, that ups your nine out of ten on the Facebook rating, I it's think. It's still it's rounded off. Mm-hmm. I would say it's it's very solid. Very solid. Five out of five is yeah. completely solid. Yes. But still, it's a 9 out of 10. It's Because I gave Black Panther a 5 out of 5, and I gave it a 9 out of 10 on social media. So so confusing. All these timelines are so confusing. I Yes. That's, McAvoy or Stewart. That's somewhere. Oh, it's just embedded now. That's what it's going to be. But anyway. Eddie, yourself? I was struggling, and I don't know that I could completely give it a whole 5. Yes, I'm You give it a in, two and a half, I'm the lowest in, score ever. Coming in lower than you. <gasps> uh four and a quarter. Really? Let's just go let's just go there. All right. I guess I I guess I'm anxious for a, a more, like I said, Spider Man coming into his own. And uh A lot of people want to see him leave the high school stuff, and I'm kind of fine with him being in high school still. Yeah. He can do that. I guess maybe I've always pictured in the comic Spider-Man as being this entity and wisecracking and not, in my in my head, not sounding as young as high school, perhaps. I mean, he did start in high school. Yes, exactly. And stayed there for excessive number of years. For the before, entire Didco run, he was in high school, I believe. Before graduating, yes. In uh, the 80s somewhere, 85 or 6, I guess. Yeah, that was the Romita run. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I think the idea of keeping him in high school, it's fine because it's also, again, he's very young looking, Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. And being able to do that aspect of him being so young looking 
and being so inexperienced in this role, he's growing into the character. Yeah. And I think that's, it's such a smart idea. And I think the idea of Tom Holland being this immature, inexperienced human being that gets bestowed these powers, that's awesome. Although the, the uh, immature part made me think of the excessive talking in, let's say, Civil War and him being told by at least by what the Falcon, there's usually not this much talking when we're fighting kind yeah. of thing. But in his case, yeah, the quips and the remarks, jokes, comments, digs are all part of his persona. Yeah. So And he's growing into it. Yeah. That's why I think this is the first time well, it only happened once with the trilogy, but if we get a, when we get a third Spider Man movie, we got a third one finally done right. And I'm well, thinking yeah. mm-hmm. Spider Man Homewrecker, where it's gonna be Aunt May and Happy Hogan. Homewrecker. I think it's gonna be a the first time a third Spider Man movie was good. And gonna have a uh, home in the titles too, since homecoming, far from home. Home on the range when he goes into cattle. Um, no now, pl- how about no place like home? He goes to Oz. Whatever. Now, before we wrap this episode up, we want to segue over to our interview with Preeti Chibber. Chibber. We're doing tandem for the name. And that interview starts right about now. Hi, this is Preeti Chibber, and you're listening to The Marvelous with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. Walloping web snappers and whip. Today we are joined with Pretty Chibber, and we are talking about her brand new book, Spider-Man Far From Home, Peter and Ned's Ultimate Travel Journal. Now, Pretty, I got to ask you, first off, first and foremost, how did you feel the moment you got this writing job working on a Spider-Man related title? I lost my mind. At first, it was, and and I've told this story, but it, it was... I also freelance on the side. I was, you know, I, I worked full time in publishing, and I was freelancing for Sci-Fi Wire uh, fangirls on the side. So I got an email from a friend of mine, Brandon Snyder, who also writes for Marvel. He writes books for them, and it said Marvel press opportunity, which I read as a press opportunity, like you're going to interview someone. And then I got the email from the editor. Like this is an editor with Marvel Press, and we want you to write a Spider-Man book. And I was like, oh my god. That's awesome. It's like a real-life Peter Parker here. Here's Preeti. Yeah, basically. It was very stressful. Freelance writer. Perfect. Huh? I'm sorry? Freelance writer. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. It was either way I was excited about it, but when it was the book, I kind of had a moment of, like, me and then, like, severe self-doubt until a friend of mine was like, you're being an idiot. Like, you were born to write this book. Just do it. Well, so I, it was really exciting. Absolutely. We can tell by just the way you're relating it. But if we can step back for a minute, how did you get to this point? Your, your backstory, your origin. Uh, sure. Uh, origin story. So I worked in children's literature for 12 years um, with various houses like Scholastic, HarperCollins, and, and it's a huge passion of mine. But I also, like I said, freelance wrote, and I wrote about geek culture and comics at a comics podcast for a couple of years with uh, a friend of mine, Paul Montgomery, for Book Riot. And it was just kind of encompassing my life with a geek culture. And part of that was being really involved with the writing community. And so I got an opportunity a few years ago to write a short story 
in a book that came out last year called A Thousand Beginnings and Endings, which is a YA short story collection about Asian mythology. Um, and then also I was writing for Sci-Fi Fangirls, and I have the best editor in the world, Cher Martinetti, who every time I come with her, like, with a ridiculous pitch, will be like, sure. So, for example, yeah. you know, I was like, hey, can I write about things that are the same size as Tom Holland? Because he's 5'8", and um, Mark Ruffalo is 5'8", and I think that's funny and weird. And she's like, sure, go for it. So it, like, let me hone my kind of ridiculous, funny kid access voice. And that was an opportunity when Disney came to me that I could send them these links of, like, silly posts I've written about Spider-Man that actually got me the gig. Wow. So it's not like you had a severe case of writer's block where you're like, what kind of stuff do I think of? No, either it came to you internally or maybe somebody said it right about what you love. And you said geek culture. So basically, I mean, it was also I benefit from I'm I'm a millennial. I grew up on the Internet. So I've been writing on the Internet since I was like 16 or 15 or something. Um, whether it's like building your own GeoCities website or LiveJournal or, you know, Friendster, whatever it is. I've been writing on the Internet since I was in high school. And so it just felt like a really natural progression to start being paid to write when I eventually got there. I just got a ton of GeoCities flashbacks with all like the uh, avenues, the uh, boulevards yep. and stuff like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, I'm totally lost now. So we got another millennial I'm dealing with here, and this is a different term of what the word writing means. It doesn't involve a pen, paper. It's all electronic. Okay. Well, I mean, all electronic. It was all like for GeoCities. I mean, I think we were on Sunset Boulevard. I want to say um, that's where my Backview Boys website was. <laughs> I remember I got onto GeoCities post after, like after they were doing the uh, boulevards. Like I guess every single uh, boulevard and street was like filled up, and so it was just like GeoCities slash. And I'm like, uh-uh, I wanted a boulevard. I want to be. <laughs> so, I do find the whole you know that that is how a lot of people you know in our age group are getting into these you know avenues of publishing. And what other uh, places did you frequent? Like uh, Tumblr, I imagine. Oh, yeah. I'm a huge Tumblr fan now. Uh, fandom has been really interesting because I feel like when we went from AOL, like chat rooms and, and zines on, on your AOL address, to like GeoCities and ICQ, and then it shifted to like fanfic.net and AO3 and Tumblr, and it's just following where the fandom is going and where all the best content is being created. Preeti, where are you uh, home-based out of, and, and um, have you been out traveling, going to things in addition to doing the writing, or what's what's that all about? Uh, so I quit my job in New York in December. I was in New York for like 12 years, and then I moved back down to Georgia where my family is to write full-time, which has been quite the adjustment. Um, and my plan for this year, like I, mo- I moved back in January, and my plan was like, oh, I don't have to worry about vacation days, I'm going to travel, I'm going to write, and then a week after I moved home, I ended up in the hospital with emergency surgery, I was like laid out for like four months. So that was your 2019 start? (laughs) That was my start to 2019. Wow. It was like, it was was great, it happened at the right time, because I'm surrounded by family, but it still kind of really put my plans on hold, but... In about a week, I kick off six weeks of travel for work and for fun. So, you know, various 
con- like conventions. I'll be at San Diego Comic Con in a couple in in a month, I guess, mm. and the American Librarian Association next week. Um, and yeah, so so now I'm starting my travel like six months into the year. So you don't need a doctor's note. You're all clear to go. All clear to go. Finally. Excellent. Where was that other one uh, located now? Besides, I know you said San Diego. Uh, the American Librarian Association does a conference two two times a year. So their annual convention is in Washington D.C. in about a week. They'll be signing there. Will you be making your return to New York for New York Comic Con in October? I will. Very cool. All right. So I want to know where we're going to see it. Yeah. All of those places. Now, one thing I'm curious about, I, I've always wanted to know this in regards to, you know, film novelizations, in regards to tie-ins for the films and whatnot. How much does Disney slash Marvel Studios tell you about what the movie is going to be? Like, I obviously know they can't really give, you know, full-on spoilers, but do they, like, how much do they let the writer know? So, I read a version of the script. It was not the final script. There was definitely stuff missing out of it because I read it three times and I was like, I don't understand how we're getting from this point to this point. So you got the Holland um, slash Ruffalo script. <laughs> oh. Sorry? You got the Holland slash Ruffalo script. I did. Yeah, basically. But I went to Marvel, the Marvel offices in New York. They put me in a room, gave me a computer, like four pieces of paper and a pen. I wasn't allowed to bring anything in with me. Um, and they were like, all right, you have three hours. So I read it three times. I took a bunch of notes. They took my notes. They scanned them and sent them back to me on, like, a secure server that I could only access, like, via password, whatever. And so it was, like, an intense process in that way. And also then once I wrote it, it went back and forth with the studio to make sure it was lining up with their vision with who the characters were and what was going on. That said, they didn't tell me anything. So I didn't know, like, what was going to happen in Endgame. Um, I knew, obviously, a few things because there's stuff in in the book, but I didn't know anything major. Now, I know you're writing about the Tom Holland portrayal of Peter Parker, but is Tom your number one favorite portrayal of Spidey? Or maybe there's, you know, Andrew Garfield or Tugboat Toby, you know, people like him? (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Oh, uh, so the first first Raimi Spider-Man movie came out when I was in high school. It came out, like, my senior year. And so I, that one holds, like, a really special place in my heart of being, like, finally the first time we're getting this kind of major Spider-Man action on film. And it's, it's, a, it's a great, campy superhero movie. I've always... Toby is, mm, you know. <laughs> I've always found the... Uh, like, some people don't realize this when you think about it. The Spider-Man and the Raimi ones are Raimi's love letter to the, you know, the Silver Age of yeah. comics, right down to the, the choice of villains. And he didn't want Venom. He didn't, you know, want characters like that. He wanted to do Sinister Six. He wanted to do Ditko, Romita creations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I rewatched it, like, two nights ago um, for, for a sci-fi thing, and it was, it's such a fun movie. Toby is not my favorite portrayal of Spider-Man. I find sometimes he's a little too meek and like soft-spoken for me like I really do like the way Tom Holland's Peter Parker is written I think it's the first time we've seen like a true teenage Peter Parker written on screen as Peter Parker not focusing too heavily on just getting Spider-Man right which I really appreciated um that said one of the struggles I had in this book was like keeping all the various Peters straight in my head because MCU Peter is very different than comic book Peter. Mm, 
Um, And so I kept trying to make allusions and like characteristics pulling from the comics and they would be like, you can't do this. Like that's not, that's not Tom Holland's Peter Parker. I'm like, ah, you know, I just find it odd as you're saying your favorite uh, Peter Parker incarnation and so many differences. People like one, not the other or two of them, not so much, but this is the better one. And I don't know, nobody across the board consistently. So it's just interesting. I'm leaving it like that, you know. Myself, I've always thought uh, Tom Holland's Peter Parker is the best one because it's uh-huh. the best of both worlds. You have the meekness, the you know, the shy geek, and then you have the whole the quipping, you know, yeah. smart Alec. Right, right. You do, and I've heard the total opposite. Likes Toby, somebody yeah. that I know. It's a cosplayer, actually, South Florida based. That Toby is the best one and does not like Tom Holland at all. We'll watch the movies, but just doesn't care for Tom Holland. I mean, so. that's fair, and, and Peter's such a character that people hold on to so personally. Like, they, he he speaks to people in so many different ways that I get it. You have these, like, emotional attachments. But that said, I also am working on an article for someone else, and I've read, like, probably, like, 100 Spider-Man comics over the last week <laughs> from, like, you know, Ditko, Lee, all the way up through, like, Zdarsky, you know? And, and everybody has a slightly different take on how they write Peter Parker, there is no consistent characterization outside of with great power comes great responsibility. Other than that, it's kind of up in the air depending on who's writing him, mm. how like emo he is, how funny he is, like how serious he is, how, how goofy he is. So I think he means what people want him to mean, and so they're going to take from that what they will about who they choose as their favorite. I have to ask, when you just named that list of creators, I don't know if I caught it properly. Did you say Zadarsky? Yeah, is that not how you say it out loud? I I just love uh, Chip. Chip is amazing. Have you you been uh, reading? I imagine a uh, life story. I'm waiting until it's it's all collected because I want to sit down and read it all together because I think he has written some of the best Spider-Man Peter Parker stories in like the last ten years. He just really gets what I think is so compelling about the character, where it's like. He's so funny, but he hides, like, really deep, intense messaging in the humor, and I just, I love it. I think it's so, so well done. Life, Life Story is pretty much the book that I've been keeping up to date on, as, you know, like, when the book comes out, I read it the day I get it. I have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I, just, I know I'm going to want it to go on, so I'm like, I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait, and I'm going to read it all together, and it's going to be so satisfying. It is. It is very good. I'm up to date on that also, and I'm happy to be able to say that since I have an inordinate amount of catching up to do. In your comic book life. In like my comic book says. universe, yes. It's my intro in the podcast. <laughs> there you go. Is there, uh, what What do you have, Preeti, as far as the length of Peter and Ned's ultimate trade journal, travel journal, rather? Uh, how long is it? Um, how much time did it take to do? And um, what's it What's it going for on, on the stores, on the shelves? Uh, I think it's Twelve ninety nine. I don't know who's doing what discounts, um, but the book, the list price is twelve ninety nine. It's one hundred ninety two pages, but it is heavily illustrated with the cutest, cutest illustrations from George McClements and uh, Stephen Cardos. And I, this is a really, really tight timeline. Like I got the email asking if I wanted to do it like two days before New York Comic Con last year. Mm. I read the script in November, and then I wrote. I sent him my final draft December 28th, I think. And since it was, it's, you know, it was fast. And since it's a journal, I don't know if that was easier to put together or not. And if you've done something like that before versus any other things you've written? No, usually I write straight prose and I tend to write YA, not not this was my first 
foray into middle grade. Um, it, was, it was both easy and difficult. Like, what's hard is you're like, oh, how do I, there are no transitions because it's just in dialogue, basically. Like, the entire book is dialogue, and there's no, you have to make it exciting when it's just dialogue, and that was sometimes a little hard. Yeah, and I think YA meaning young adult, correct? Yes. Good. Well, I think you've sounds like you've matriculated, so congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Is there any other character favorites before we let you go that you have? Uh, in in the Spider-Man verse or just in general? In general, comic characters. We're, we're getting oh, that, Nightcrawler yeah. and Gambit. I love it. <laughs> cool. I love both of them so much. So, so like, I love the rogue. I love the emo-ness. I love all of it. In the uh, Spider-Verse in general, excluding Peter Parker, who is your favorite Spider-Man-related character? Black Cat. I love Felicia Hardy. So you may have read when you first saw her in, I guess, Amazing Spider-Man. I'm going to go in the 190s, 194 thereabouts, I think. That is frighteningly good, Eddie. I'm sure I have. I'm not good with keeping numbers straight. I remember the narratives and the story, but if you ask me, like, what issue did this happen in? I'd be like, I don't know. Well, I'm not all... And when I read, I, I hopefully remember, but somewhere like 194, then again, like 204 thereabouts is when you first where she, when she first appeared, and you didn't quite know what to make of this character. But mm-hmm. but I assume since you've been... It sounds like you're doing the Cliff Notes version of all the different Spider-Man genres, writers, and so on, just to get and cramming all that stuff in, so you're all kind of uh, up to date with that. But but yeah, I, I really love that... Uh, first iteration of black cat myself yeah i like i like that they've managed to keep her character gray in a really not gross way like they don't it never feels like they're pandering it never feels like they're they're pushing her too far one way or the other like i i like that they've managed to keep her complex in yeah, a really and, nice way and from, from what i've read it's only been, been the early stuff too not even the miniseries that was on her, or even there's a new one that just recently started, but it seems like, I don't know, she's, her composure is, is somewhat there, because I guess they could have written her into uh, being a real, like, uh, uh, Looney Tune, a real whack job or something, you know? Yeah, she got real mad because of how superior Spider-Man treated her. It still breaks my heart, that one moment, and... I, uh, I can't, it hurts. And then when, I believe when, didn't, wasn't it during the uh, Spencer run, or like towards the end of the slot run, that, uh... They reunited, and she beat the ever-loving bejesus out of him? Yeah, uh, I can't remember. I think it's Slot. Uh, I think that happened under Slot. I have to share with you a moment from that early Black Cat iteration, and it was telling me that, yeah, they're kind of into the adult theme or a subplot going on here, that while they're duking it out, kind of sort of, Black Cat says to Spider-Man, by the way, you have a really cute derriere. I don't have time right now to admire it, though. We have to give a shout-out to Kat of uh, Main Street Comics in Middletown, New York, for hashtag Spider-Butt, radioactive Spider-Butt. So. Yeah, and I think if you guys didn't coin that, that's that's got to be where it started. I never made that connection until now. Sorry about that, Free T. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, I, I don't hate on Spider-Butt, so we're good. <laughs> there are so many shapes and sizes of Spider-Butt just all over the gamut. <laughs> or Gambit, because she likes Gambit, so... <laughs> I was going to do a Cajun accent, and I couldn't even, like, I couldn't figure out what to say. You miss but, me? Uh-huh, guarantee. And I'm realizing it's the chef guy, so it's not going to be that. No, no, no. I digress. And he does that often, so we have to reel him back in. Okay. Any other things coming up now for you, Preeti, in the near future? Um, I've got some stuff that 
I can't talk about yet, but is super exciting and will hopefully be announced soon. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, but other than that, yeah, I'll be at ALA, San Diego, New York, and a convention, a new convention in Atlanta in the fall called Multi, I think it's called the Multiverse Con. Whoa. I like the title right there. I'm, I hope, I hope that I'm not misnaming it. I'm pretty sure. Um, Do we have a... Uh, yeah, it's the Multiverse Con. It's okay. uh, October 18th to 20th in Atlanta. It is Atlanta. Okay, because I think, what do you call it, is also in Atlanta. Is it uh, Dragon Con? Yeah, Dragon Con, which I think is like Labor Day weekend. Yes, that sounds right. Okay, another right. another big one. And also Namor. Oh, wait, that's Atlantis. Oh. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm going to file that joke myself, so here we are. File? <laughs> Circular file. Now, how can people get a hold of you on social media? Uh, they can follow me on Twitter at runwith. Speaking of millennial, that was my AIM screen name, and I didn't know Twitter was going to be important when I signed up for it. Um, <laughs> so it's R-U-N-W-I-T-H-S-K-I-Z-Z-E-R-S. Uh, and also on Tumblr, but Tumblr is mostly me reblogging like things I think are funny. So Twitter is really where the updates are. Um, or my website, preetychipper.com, where it's like all my books and, and my writings are all there. How much dank maymays do you share on your Tumblr, by the way? <laughs> so many. It's the worst. Somebody would be like, hey, have you seen this meme? I'm like, yeah, I saw it two weeks ago when it started. Don't talk to me. Have you ever seen on uh, Facebook, there's a uh, there's a group called Marvel Shield Posting, and there's so much content coming through there. And we actually, on our Facebook page, The Marvelists, we actually reshare so much of it. And just amazing stuff that, you know, you can transcend. Like you can, Or you can reappropriate scenes in a movie and just make it into anything pretty much <laughs> I haven't seen it but I'll check it out it Pre- sounds funny <laughs> Preeti Chibber thank you so much Peter and, and Ned's ultimate travel journal looking forward to reading it and talking again about it at a future con if not elsewhere yeah thanks for having me The Whip So now before we go, we want to once again give a major thank you to Preeti Chibber for doing the show. And be sure to check out her book, Spider-Man, Peter and Ned's Ultimate Travel Journal, available where all books are sold, including Amazon.com, your local Walmart, Barnes & Noble, etc., etc. So once again, big thank you to her. And you can follow her on social media, as she had mentioned at the very end of that interview. Mm-hmm. So, let's see. You can find us once again on all that social media goodness that you can listen to at the beginning of the show. And I don't think we need to repeat that stuff. So, cool. For the Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior! What the f-